there and welcome. Today we're going to talk about what I call transformative conversations. I'm going to tell you what that means and how you can use them to craft your stories. It can be really, really great when it comes to emotions and catharsis. So stick with me and I will explain everything to you. Do you want to write fiction but don't know where to start? Believe me, I understand. I've stood in your shoes. I've wanted to write amazing stories and wondered if I was even on the right track. I worried and struggled for years. I know what it feels like to have no idea what you're doing. Like everything you write is cheesy and amateurish and you'll never be good enough to sit on the shelves next to the great authors of your time or the classics. But I want you to know there's an answer for you. A way to know that the stories you're writing will resonate with readers. A way to transform from wherever you are now in your writing journey to someone who's universally hailed as talented and a skilled storyteller. Welcome to The Story Savant, the podcast with free writing advice for the aspiring storyteller. I'm going to give you every tool I know to help you become a master storyteller. Every week, I'll bring you tips on story structure, characterization, themes, heroes, villains, and more to automatically make your story resonate with your audience. Stay tuned. We're going to learn to tell amazing stories, and we're going to have a ton of fun doing it. Let's do this. Hi guys. So when I started putting this episode together, I was originally going to call it tips for great conversations and arguments. But as I started going, I started realizing that I was thinking about a very specific type of conversation and I started calling it a transformative conversation. So I talked a little bit in episode 10 about uh, how to write great scenes, about how you always need to have your characters at odds in their dialogue. That's how you create tension in a scene. So even if they are on the same side, working for the same team, they should still be at odds about something. Well, this is an extension of that, but we're talking about a very specific type of conversation or argument that serves a very specific purpose in the story. When I say transformational argument, what I mean is sort of the conversation or argument that will result in your character's transformation or lead to it in some way. So we're not talking about everyday dialogue or the exchange of information or greetings we're talking about when there is some sort of, a lot of times it's a fight uh, between characters, although it doesn't have to be. Maybe it's just them learning something new or hashing something out that changes everything in their world. So most often this is going to happen either at the climax of the story or maybe slightly before. And I'm going to give you some, some examples so that you know you can really apply this and know what I'm talking about. But a great transformational conversation or argument should do three things. Create transformation is the first one, of course. It's going to help the character get to their transformation. It's going to take them to a place they don't usually go. Now, understand when I say that, that I don't mean do something that's out of character. You need to always stay in character or you'll be doing a disservice to that character. But it's kind of like when I talked about giving them a code of ethics, right? You give them a code of ethics and then you slowly, over the arc of the story, take them to the place where they might break that code of ethics. This is something similar, not exactly the same, but similar. Let's say you have a character who is really go with the flow and calm and easygoing and never gets angry. If you get to them to a point where they get angry, that's what I'm talking about. That's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it emotional. You're taking them to a height of emotion that they don't usually go to, and that makes it very, very compelling to your audience. And what happens when people get emotional, especially if it's a negative emotion, like they're angry or they're upset, things come out that they've been bottling up for a long time. Things they wouldn't normally say end up slipping out. But those things are also based in truth. There's something that the character really does feel or is struggling with. So that's why these kinds of conversations can be so powerful in your story because this is really going to be a place of raw emotion. In fact, that's the third thing that the transformational conversation needs to do is be extremely emotional and extremely visceral. I mean, that's why a lot of times it takes the format of a fight because the characters will be like screaming at each other and 
how they really feel about stuff and things they've really been wanting to say, that's going to come out. Before I get into the examples, let's talk about what not to do for a minute. <laughs> Transformational conversations should not be sprinkled all throughout your novel. They should only happen, like I said, leading up to the transformation or at really, really important moments, maybe when really important information that's going to change everything comes out. That can happen more than once in a novel. But you don't want every single conversation you're characters have to be this way because that'll come across as melodramatic and it will also uh, minimize the impact of that one really essential conversation. So as an example of this, there's an old book in an old movie called Hearts War. Full disclosure, I have not actually read the book, but I have seen the movie. It had Bruce Willis in it and it's, it's kind of old now. It was a pretty good movie, maybe a little bit slow in the execution, but I remember liking the premise and thinking it was a good story. I also remember reading, I want to say it was Stephen King's book on writing, in which he used this as an example. I think that's where I got it. He talked about how Hearts War, he kind of said the same thing. It was a good story. You know, the characters, the plot was pretty well fleshed out. But the author, when he wrote it, every single line of dialogue had an exclamation point after it. So every single line of dialogue was like the character screaming and being dramatic. And that just... It's not a good way to tell a story, okay? Like I said, it comes across as really melodramatic, which means that it comes across as fake, as not being very sincere. And it's going to, you're going to lose your reader. They're going to think this is cheesy. And when you get to those scenes that really need to be emphasized, there's no way to emphasize them because you've already overemphasized every line of dialogue in the entire story. So don't do that. Make sure you keep these transformative conversations for the most important moment in your story that's going to change everything for the character and either transform them or lead to that transformation. All right, so the best example that I have pretty much hands down ever seen of one of these is in the movie Rocky 3. I'm going to give you spoilers for Rocky 3 here, but that movie is like 30 years old, so if you haven't seen it yet, that's on you. <laughs> I love the Rocky movies. I grew up on them. Lots of people did. And the third one was always the favorite in our household. So quick rundown. At the beginning of Rocky III, he is already the heavyweight champion of the world, okay? He is on top of the world. He is still winning lots of fights. He's making lots of money. He's very famous. And then he starts getting a man. It's uh, Mr. T in the show. His name is Clover Lane. And he is challenging Rocky to a fight. Well, Rocky doesn't see any problem with this. This guy's talking a lot of smack and he's, yeah, I'll fight him. What he doesn't understand is that his trainer, Mick, has been handpicking fights. So all of the people that Rocky has been fighting and knocking out, no problem, maybe aren't anywhere near his skill level. And he didn't know that. He didn't know that he wasn't fighting the top fighters in the world. So he and his trainer have words about this. And he decides he's going to fight this guy, Clubber Lane. He still doesn't entirely get that he's going to have to work pretty hard to defeat this guy. So he doesn't train as hard as he probably should have. And then right before he goes in for the fight, his trainer, Mick, who is one of his best friends, he's a member of the family, he's been with him for years, has a heart attack. Mick doesn't die right then, but as it happens as Rocky's going into the fight, and so he's very worried about his trainer and his mentor, and he ends up losing. So he loses his heavyweight champion title to Clubber Lane. And then right after that, he goes to visit his trainer, and unfortunately, Mick passes away. So then he decides to challenge Clubber Lane to a rematch so that he can try to get his title back. So this is a really, it's a really great template for a story because we start out with him on top, something changes and we just see him fall to rock bottom and then he has to claw his way back up to where he was. So it's a really great story of, of transformation, but it's not even so much the physical transformation because at the beginning he's already pretty fit. He's already the heavyweight champion of the world. And not to say that he doesn't train hard, he absolutely does, but 
This is really more about his mental and emotional transformation. All right, while he starts training, he gets uh, Apollo Creed's help to train him for the rematch, but his heart just isn't in it. You can tell it's not. He's not training very hard. He's being kind of listless and he looks like he's bored and he's just not really going after it with the hunger he's going to need if he's going to beat Clever Lane. So then we reach the point of him and Adrian's argument on the beach. And this is what the transformative argument is. And like I said, this is one of the best examples I have ever seen hands down of this being done. It's just fantastic. It's the best scene in the entire film and possibly the entire franchise. Not that I'm objective about that. So what happens is Adrian goes out and talks to him and she yells at him and basically makes him face his fears. She makes him admit that he's afraid. She makes him admit what he's afraid about. And she tells him what he needs to do, what he needs to decide whether he's going to fight or not. And if he is, what he needs to do to fix this. So this becomes transformative because he goes from what he was doing, which was hiding from his feelings and being really down and really afraid to figuring out what the problem was, and then going after what he wants. So it's a classic transformation. But I really want to talk about this not in terms of Rocky's role in that scene, but in terms of Adrian's, because she is the one who instigates it. And again, if you've seen all the Rocky movies, you kind of know what Adrian's character is. She is a big part of the story. She's a big part of Rocky's life. She's his wife, but she doesn't talk a whole lot. She's quite soft-spoken and shy, and how she supports her husband most of the time is simply to stand in the background and be there for him. If you think back to Rocky II, there's a part where he's doing all the commercials, all the advertisements, and it's really kind of dumb, and it's making him look idiotic. And that's a really good example of how Adrian kind of operates, because she doesn't tell him what to do, and she doesn't necessarily give him advice as to what she thinks he should do. But it's obvious that she's very in tune with him. So she kind of more confirms what he's already thinking. So she doesn't say, this is stupid, you shouldn't be doing this, but she can tell that he's uncomfortable. And so when he comes to talk to her about it, she says, well, maybe there's a better place you can spend your time. And he was already thinking that. He just needed her to confirm it. So she's very soft-spoken. She just pays attention to how he's feeling and supports him with whatever he wants to do. Okay, that's what she does. She does not get in people's faces. She does not yell at people, right? She does not step up and shake her fist and be really opinionated. But in this argument, that's exactly what she does, okay? She never does this, but she does it in this argument. And she gets in his face, and she yells at him, and she swears at him, and she tells him he needs to tell her the truth. But really, it's not about telling her the truth. It's about telling himself the truth. And she forces him to examine his own feelings. So you have a combination of a lot of things here. You have the mirror moment, which I've talked about. Rocky has to look back over his life and specifically over the things that happened in this installment, which was him allowing someone else to pick the fights for him and not, you know, paying attention to what's really going on in his life. It's about his guilt over his trainer dying. It's about the fact that he lost the heavyweight championship, which is going to bring a certain amount of disappointment and shame to anybody. And he had to move forward, deciding not to be afraid, deciding that he was going to give it his all. And if he failed, if he didn't get the, you know, the heavyweight championship title back, that was okay. But whatever he did, he had to be okay with it moving forward. He had to know that he gave his best and be able to live with it. So you can see why that was such an emotional catharsis. I still tend to weep watching that scene. Okay, I've seen it a hundred times and I still do. It's very, very powerful. And a lot of it is what's said. They say some really, really powerful lines in that scene, but it is the transformation of the character. And, it, you know, Adrian is a perfect example 
you might almost call that her code of ethics. Her code of ethics is to support Rocky and not get in his face. But this, watching him fall and, and hide from his feelings and get lower and lower and lower, that is what took her to that place where she broke her normal code of ethics, which was to yell at him and make him face what he was turning away from. Okay, that's what creates the power in that scene is watching Adrian come out of her shell and become a really strong woman in the moment when her husband needed her to be. Okay, that's what I'm talking about when I say a transformational conversation or a transformational argument. Okay, it's very passionate. There's a lot of visceral emotions flying around and it has to either transform the character or lead directly to the transformation. Whatever is decided during that conversation has to change everything moving forward. It's important to understand that not all stories will have this and not all stories need this. You always need a transformation for your character, but maybe your particular story isn't conducive to doing it quite this way. You're not going to have the argument because you're going to see the transformation some other way. Maybe it'll be completely internal. Maybe it'll be plot based. Um, but this is one way to do it. So it's just a tip if you're stuck or if you're not sure how to really show your audience that transformation, this is a good way to do it that maybe you could explore and see if you can put this somewhere in your story. Plus, Argument scenes like this where people are really just, I mean, most of us don't go around yelling at each other about our innermost feelings in our soul. You know what I mean? Most of us just don't do that in everyday conversation. So when you can write an argument where people are yelling at each other, it almost becomes like song. Have you ever heard that? We can say things in song that we wouldn't say in normal conversation, not only because they often rhyme, but it, if we were to say them in normal conversation, they would sound trite or like we're being melodramatic, but you can say that in song and it sounds beautiful, right? And that's why song can be so freeing for us. Well, it's the same thing with these conversations, the kinds of things that would be really awkward if someone just started saying them when they were talking to someone in the car or something. When you get into these really visceral, you know, passionate conversations, then you can say them. And there's a lot of catharsis that goes on there. So they're really fun to write. And you can really kind of bring out the core elements of your story, the themes and uh, the emotions your characters are feeling, and it comes out very naturally rather than the author just giving the audience an info dump or something. So yeah, again, just something to think about, not something you absolutely have to include. And of course, we always have to go with the so what. Why is this sort of thing effective? We've all had conversations like this, whether it was an argument with a significant other or a roommate or a sibling because you were both brooding on things and didn't like the living situation and then kind of all comes out, everyone yells, but everyone says what they need and then you patch it up and you move on, right? Sometimes these things have to happen and they are the peak of emotion, which is what makes them so compelling. Sometimes these things need to come out. Usually they're pretty painful, they're hard and it could be because the other person says something to us that is painful, or it could be, you know, just our own pain that we're working through. We have to understand something about ourselves and it's hard, you know, it's growing pains. It causes a lot of pain, but you usually come out on the other side with a greater understanding of your world. So whether it's like Rocky and he had a very transcendent moment where he could get past his fear and get past his doubt and grow, he'll always look back on that now and know that he needed to go through that in order to grow. And if he hadn't done that, he would not have beat Clever Lane. I mean, hands down, he probably wouldn't have even gone through with the fight, you know, that had to happen in order for him to move forward. Now, it can also be a very negative thing. What if you've got, say, you're writing a romance and you've got these two people and the fight, it doesn't end up with them patching it up and, you know, going back to their everyday lives. Maybe in that fight, that's when they realized that this was not working and that it was a very toxic relationship. So on the other side, they decide to break up. Well, that's still giving them a greater understanding of their world and of the relationship and 
giving them the power to move forward because of that knowledge. And that is what a great transformational conversation or argument, I prefer argument because it's funner, (laughs) should do in your story. So of course, readers are going to connect with that first because it's super emotional. Anything with emotion will connect your reader, but also because it's, it's true to life. It's what happens. And we all go through that at some point. Consider this for your story, or if not for what you're working on now, maybe for the future. It's a great way to really grip your reader and segue them into the climax or the actual transformation. So that is all I have to say for today. Everyone get out there and get some words written. See you next time. If you would like to support the show as a patron, hop over to www.patreon.com forward slash story savant. If you're big on Facebook, join our Facebook community at bit.ly forward slash story savant facebook to get a free pdf of my nine essential plot points for a page turning story sign up at bit.ly forward slash story savant courses all these links are in the show notes thanks for joining me today you can find all my fiction on my website at author lkhill.com forward slash books if you found value in anything you heard today do me a favor and go leave me a review on itunes It's the best and easiest way that you can thank me and help others to find and be inspired by the same concepts. Together, we can lift each other through our stories to new heights of understanding and compassion for our fellow man and gain an eternal godlike perspective on our own spirituality. So go consume some stories today. I give you permission.